0: Float into the mystery. So our reading this morning, as we continue our study of the 12 steps, is from the uh, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, from the chapter How It Works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover from whatever's a them are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we cannot. not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless, and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil, until we let go, absolutely. We're engaging in this... Uh, oh, I have think thing this so, um, Hello? Ah, there I am. Thank you. Are. Um, I forget sometimes that I don't have to use this anymore. So, the reason we're... Um, talking about the 12 steps, it's not, because I'm assuming that any of us have any addictions that we'd rather get over, (laughs) like food, reading, games on your phone, drink, drugs, food, reading, games on your phone, (laughs) Um, but because not very powerful, that when we run on our ego's will for us, life does not turn out too good. But when we begin to understand that there is a power greater than our human selves, that power is inside of us. In my belief, it's also outside of us. The beauty of this program that allows people from all walks of life to apply these universal truths is there's nothing in it that says who your God has to be. What it looks like, how it acts, doesn't have to be part of a religion, doesn't even have to be God, it just has to be a power greater than your own ego. What I've told people when they've asked me in the past, well how can I, how can I Say, do you believe you're God? Then that's fine. That's all you need. All you need to know is that you, of your personal human self, are not it. You don't have control. And we talked about lack of control rather than lack of power because, of course, what we know is that we do have power. We have the power of the divine. We may call it God. We may call it our higher selves. We may call it Yahweh or Allah. We may call it nature. We may call it the universe, the way life is. All of that is a higher power than what our individual egos can control. And so when we surrender to that power, when we decide who that power is for us, because we tend to worship unconscious gods. We think, I tell people all the time, who say, I don't believe in God, am like, so tell me about. God, and they say, well, I don't believe in this judgmental blah, 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 blah. And I say, I I don't believe in exactly the God you don't believe in. And not that I'm trying to convince people to believe in God, but we have, from our childhoods, institutionally, um, ancestrally, culturally, we are given ideas of what God is, and we have to examine those. We have to examine what a higher power is to us and come to our own understanding before it's even safe to rely on that, right? So there might be a power, figure out for yourself, for now, who that power, or how that power works in your life. And that concept will evolve, my concept of God evolves daily, sometimes momently. And then we turn our will in our lives over to that, which means to me, And new thought thinking is that I take my ego out of the driver's seat with my spirit sitting in back watching it going, do you really want to take that turn (laughs) on? And I try to do the switch, put my higher self, my connection to the divine in the front seat, and then my ego can comment from the back. (laughs) And I'm in better hands. So that's basically the first three steps. Steps four, five, and six are often um, talked about within the program, um, where the rubber meets the road. Because the first three are sort of, um, they can still be profound and life-changing and really make you think, but they're kind of all internal. And the fourth step is when you are asked to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. We made a searching and fearless, searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So what is an inventory? First of all, it's what's on the shelf. When you take inventory, you get your inventory sheet out and you say, we have four boxes of pencils, we have 800,000 staples, we have one notebook, we have a lot of legal paper." We have no eight and a half by eleven paper. That happens to be part of an inventory (laughs) from (laughs) back there. But there's no judgment there. There's no like, oh, there should be. No, it's what is. Because you have to have the information of what is before you can make your list of what you need, right? You have to know it's there. So you gotta search it out and write it down. And there's a reason for, there are many reasons for writing it down, but a lot of people said, I've already gone over my, old, my whole story with my therapist. Yeah, but after you've gone over it with your therapist, can you look at it and reflect back on it and look and try to see the patterns in it? It's harder to do that. Plus, it's putting power into someone else's hands over the inventory you want to take of yourself. You get to do it. You have to do it. You get to do it. You can look at it either way, but it's taking responsibility. It's taking responsibility. And so the inventory, what's here? What am I good at? What things about myself do I like? Who do I resent? Who,
1: why do I feel like a
0: martyr? Everyone's always doing stuff to me And I'm the only one doing the very best I can And no one's appreciating me What have I tried to manipulate in my life Instead of allowing whatever happens to happen Who have I tried to manipulate in my life Who am I looking to To fulfill needs for me That are my own and God's to fill? Those are some of the questions on an inventory What am I afraid of am I afraid of? Because we all operate unconsciously from our resentments, from our fears. So putting them down on paper starts to make them conscious. If you're making every decision based on fear but you haven't let yourself in on the idea that you're afraid, then you're telling yourself I'm making really logical decisions. Well you are making logical decisions based upon the fears that you hold. But once you know you have those fears, you might be able to look at them and go, okay, is that fear appropriate? And do I want to live in that fear? And what can I do to change from that fear? But first you have to know it's there. First you have to know it's there. My visual in my head is that big sign in the mall that has all the stores, and they're all numbered on the map, and there's an arrow that says, you are here. Right? And so, you know, if you want to get over here, you go this way and up the stairs, and then here. So, you do. You take a left turn, and then you take a right turn, and you go straight, you take another left turn, you go up the stairs, and there it is. You know that now, because you've read the map. But what if you're here, and your map says you are here? Then if you take a left turn, you're out in the parking lot. Right? (coughs) You have to know where you are. Hayman children, very, very wise um, Buddhist teacher, says start where you are. Start where you are because if you start where you aren't, you're not getting where you're going. You're certainly not getting where you think you're going. And so we make an inventory with rigorous self-honesty, and that's the reason I read that from the book. Um, it says there are some people who are naturally capable of being honest with themselves. I don't know that that's true. I would not claim that. And just like any other sacred literature that I might read from, and I do consider sacred literature, it was still written down by a human person. A human person in time and space, with opinions, with experiences. And it's good to note that those human people came together to write that book when there were 100 alcoholics that had gotten recovery. Now there are millions and millions and millions who have gotten recovery using those 12 steps. Millions in Overeaters Anonymous, millions in Narcotics Anonymous, millions in Nicotine Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous. Compulsive Talkers Anonymous, that's called on-and-on-and-on. <laughs> <laughs> I've not quite achieve team recovery in that. <laughs> Where do <we> sign up? <laughs> so, anon is for people, <laughs> is for people who are, whose lives are affected by other people who have these various <coughs> addictions. Addiction is a way of life for us humans, right? Because Life is hard, on planet Earth, life is hard. We think we want to go here, and there are already people standing there.
1: And so we think they're in our way, and we have to
0: navigate that. Some of us see the people standing there and go, never mind, I wasn't supposed to go anywhere (laughs) anywhere. I don't deserve it. Some of us see those people and go, get out! What is good for us and good for others? Because I believe there is no private good. If it's good for me, it's good for you too. So if I'm manipulating a situation so that it turns out better for me than for you, I need to take a look at that. That's my ego. That's not my higher self-talking. And so we get to, when we write this down, with no judgment. And that's the hard part. We don't want to do that. We don't want to face things that we did that are not who we think we are. I'm not really that kind of person. I just did that thing. I'm not really that kind of person. I just think that way sometimes. I'm not really that kind of person. I just avoid everything anyway. It's not because I'm a fearful person. You know, or whatever. We tell ourselves stories to make ourselves what we think is more comfortable, what really is numb. Distracted and numb. And so we have to start sorting through that. And that is part of Buddhism. That is part of, you know, Ten Commandments. Not bearing false witness. Don't act like something is true that isn't true because it will lead you to pain every single time. And it's very ironic that we try to shield ourselves from pain by twisting ourselves up into pretzels so that we don't have to face the pain, which is very painful. Imagine if we face the pain straightforwardly and all it is is pain and it passes and then we just keep moving and there is no bent up part of ourselves that needs to be untwisted. Or that spends its whole life in that twisted form not knowing why it's in pain. Does that make sense to y'all? So I think that every major religion has this in its process. Get to the truth of who you are. The reason this is so powerful is because step one, step two, step three, step four. You can't, there's no nebulous ground that you can go, yeah, I think I've already done that. You know, either you have or you haven't. that you're like, what did I do? Why am I feeling so guilty? Did I do something? You can't even figure out what you did, but you feel guilty anyway? Anybody? Okay. That sense of guilt can go away with rigorous self-honesty. We start to see that there is no blame, and we start to free ourselves from the secrets of generations. Maybe you're feeling guilty because you've taken on something that's not even yours. And if you put it down on in your inventory, it's easy to see. Oh, yeah, that's not mine. That's not mine. That's that's my mother's. God bless her. I'll pray for her. That's not mine. That's not mine. I don't have to carry it anymore. It feels so good. It also. I give you that. It's scary to open our wounds, but it's scarier to me to allow myself to act from wounds that I don't know about or have covered over what I think is successfully, but I am still living my life according to them. Only by bringing them out into the light, and that's what an inventory is, you shine the light on it. You shine the light on it. When you shine the light on it, it has a chance of being healed, of being released, of being forgiven, of our ability to forgive ourselves and forgive others, which is which is it, y'all. Forgiveness is the way. And that's easy to say. And here's a process by which you could get to it. Step five is. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So we do the inventory and we don't let it sit there. We admit it to God. We say, God, this is the truth. We stand before our highest self and say, This is not who I am, but this is what I've done. This is the baggage I have accumulated in this lifetime. And then we let our human selves in on it because. Our divine selves are already okay with it. Our divine selves are like, yeah, that's being human. Love you. Aw, you're so precious. (laughs) I'm here with you. Anytime you want to change, I'm right here. I'll help you. Get out of the way, and I'll help you. And uh, so letting our human selves in on it is a way for us to stop lying to ourselves, to God, to ourselves, And I'm going to call this our human selves because God is our higher self in my way of looking. But our human selves, yes, yes, I did this. No excuses, no justifications, no judgment, just the facts, ma'am, only the facts. another person. First of all, find somebody you really, really, really trust. Um, but tell another human being there are so many reasons. One is no take backsies. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can't write that down, but nobody knows about it yet. I can burn it and just pretend it never happened. Once you tell another human being, you have brought it out into the light. And is it important for that human being to know? No, it's important for you to say it. And it's important for you to get it out into the light so you can begin to see it in perspective. Because there is no human in this room who has ever done anything that a whole bunch of humans have done and are doing. And the things that weigh so heavily on us, when we hear someone who we think is sane and kind and wonderful say, Oh yeah, I did that. And sometimes I still do. Working on it. Then it into its proper perspective. And that begins to allow us to expose it to the light, to higher love, to ourselves, to another. And we start to believe that nothing is unforgivable. And then we start to be able to forgive ourselves. And then when we look around, other people don't need so much forgiving. Because you've understood, oh yeah, we're all doing our thing. According to all these hidden messages we've been given, we've been passed on, not just from the time of our birth, but ancestrally, from the dawn of time, culturally, we've had these things passed on. And then, step six. Oh, let me go back to step five. It is helpful to have another person take a look at this, because sometimes people can see patterns that you can't see. And you think it's one thing, and they go, you know what I'm seeing is that not so much that you pick the wrong men, but that in every relationship, once you get to a point where um, things are uncomfortable, you run away. So you don't know if it was the wrong man or not. <sighs> I mean, that's just an example, but think about how your life would change. If you hope, thought you were this way, and you find out, no, it's something else completely going on. Somebody outside, you can see your patterns in a way that sometimes you can't, or you can see your patterns once you've written them down and can see them next to each other, side by side. Oh, oh, hey, that's kind of the same thing in a different situation. We see these patterns, and then we are free from our shame or we are on the road to being free from our shame. Step six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. We're entirely ready. Are you entirely ready to let go of all the stuff that your ego has made up about you that heretofore you have thought that was the truth of you? That's a scary thing to do. So becoming ready is a big thing. And what I have to look at. You know, because I've entirely let go of some things, and that means that God has taken those things from me. They're not even my consciousness anymore. There are also things that I'm like, I need to let go of that, I need to let go of that. Oh, here I go again, I need to let go of that. So if I'm not entirely ready to let go of something that I say I'm ready to let go of, I have to figure out what the payoff is. Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep do- What's the payoff? And once I figure out what the payoff is, that can be part of my inventory, so what's the payoff? Why am I still doing this? Um, then I can decide if I can tease out what the payoff is and is that payoff worth it? Well, maybe not. What's the payoff in continuing to eat food that is not good for my body and having to turn off my mind in order to do it? What's the payoff? The payoff is I get to feel really good and numb for a few minutes. Is the payoff worth it? Probably not. Because then, the rest of the time, I'm not comfortable in my body. And all of the time, I know whether I'm doing my best to take care of myself or whether I'm not. I may not be admitting it to myself, but I know that. And So getting down to the truth of things, you get it? Why are you not ready? Get ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Words are very important in New Thought. We've said wrongs. We've said defects. um, And the next step is shortcomings. Remember that this is the language written in 1939 by a white man. By white men. One person wrote it down, but a lot of people had input into it. And so what we need to know is wrong. This is the way I look at it. Wrongs. The wrongs I've committed are the things I've done that act against myself. The things that, the ways that I have not been impeccable with my word. The ways that I am not true to who I was born to be. Not wrongs as in, you broke this rule, you broke this law, your skirt's too short, you're a bad girl. Defects of character. Here's what I call that mistaken identity. (laughs) Thought I was somebody, turns out all along I was somebody else. Okay, I can deal with that. Shortcomings. I feel, I think, I'm less than whole. And what do I need in order to be whole, to know I'm whole, to feel whole? I need God. I need love. I need all the energy and power of love working through me so that I can feel the wholeness that I was born to be. And so I get entirely ready to have God remove this from me. Not have my little ego go, okay, now I've got the inventory, I know just where to start can't breathe yesterday. We can't breathe tomorrow. We have to breathe right now. Now in this holy air, every thought is a prayer. May we be lifted up. We are in agreement in this room that this is holy air. something. I'm loved and safe and free and whole, and so it is safe for me to look at these things, they're just items on the shelf. And once I get we allow God to take our guilt, We are safe. We are free. We are whole. That is the final truth of us. Whether we ever admit anything or do an inventory or not, we are still loved, safe, free, and whole. But we haven't let ourselves in on the secret. ourselves that we don't particularly approve of, so that we can fully experience in this lifetime the truth of the strength and the love that we were born from, that we are born to, and feel that we are loved. To do whatever is ours to do, regardless of what anybody else thinks. And hold nothing missing, nothing wrong. So when you're ready, you can come back to the room